This episode is brought to you by my upcoming free five-day Jewish Money Makeover Challenge. It starts Sunday, February 11. I will be with you live for five days on Zoom to walk you through the Jewish Money Makeover that I and so many have used to build a rich life. If you've been feeling like your financial life needs a makeover, then come on over. I will help you out. Join me for this five-day challenge completely free at yaeltrush.com forward slash challenge. That's yaeltrush.com forward slash challenge. Jewish Money Matters episode 366, Ask Yael. You're listening to Jewish Money Matters, the podcast where Jewish wisdom and spirituality meet your money and your business. Money is a means to serve God in this world with joy, to build a life that leaves an imprint way beyond our time in this world. I want you to discover the secrets to Jewish wealth, to gain practical and spiritual tools to break free from the shackles of financial worry, to design the joyful, rich life that your soul desires. Welcome to Jewish Money Matters. I'm Yael Trush, and I'm so glad you're here. You're listening to Jewish Money Matters. I'm Yael Trush, your host. Welcome to the show. We're on Ask Yael Friday, February 9th. This was intended to be the Ask Yael episode where Rivka Levowitz and I answered all of your questions about living financially smarter in Israel. Um, and, you know, it was that it was supposed to be dedicated to all of those, um, all those of you who've made Aliyah, who live in Eretz Israel, or those of you who are thinking of making Aliyah. And by the way, there are many of you, uh, we received so many questions. And we did our best to answer them. But did you hear what happened? <laughs> I posted on Instagram stories on Wednesday. I spent an hour with Rivka answering your questions and it was such a pleasure. Well, I was mostly Rivka answering because she's so generous and so gracious and such an expert. And guess what? In 365 episodes, well, this is 366. This has never happened to me. I wasn't recording. I wasn't recording. I was, you guys, I was so mortified and embarrassed. So here we are, me apologizing to you and again to Rivka, even though I've apologized so many times, <laughs> that this is not the Ask Yael episode where Rivka and I are, are answering your questions. And she's so generous and gracious to have agreed to schedule, to reschedule with me and do it again. So of course, now we have to work around both our schedules. No easy feat. I mean, we had booked this time already four weeks ago, you guys. But hopefully, hopefully, please God, within the next two weeks, I will have a recording for you. Um, it really is important. And I really apologize for this, I guess, man plans and uh, God laughs like yesterday. Uh, morning when I was headed to the JCC to meet a friend and my car wouldn't start, <laughs> car not starting, grabbing Uber will be five minutes late. That's how my text went. Um, so I guess, you know what? God is making sure that I'm seeing him all week. I see you, Hashem. I see you. <laughs> this week, I also had a chance to present in front of audiences of lovely business women, Jewish business women. So definitely Hashem was front and center on those conversations. Um, one of those conversations, one of those presentations was for the JWE. That was fabulous. And if you're new to the podcast coming from that JWE presentation that happened on, I can't remember, it was Monday or Tuesday. It's been a long week. Well, welcome. And also welcome to those of you who I met. Uh, I was a presenter on Thursday for Naomi Rutner's program. I think it's called Heart Centered. It's a program for fem female entrepreneurs. Welcome as well to the show. And of course, I want to invite 
new members of the audience and longtime members to join my upcoming free five-day challenge. Uh, I should say free five-day Jewish money makeover challenge. And I'm sure everyone here who's been here for a while has enrolled already, but just in case you haven't, that's going to be at yaeltrush.com forward slash challenge. I also announced earlier this week, I'm incentivizing everyone to bring their friends. It's just so much better when we have our friends who can, we can uh, be accountability buddies. And so I've said that if you want a, do you want to win a one-on-one, one-hour coaching session with me? All you have to do is share the link to the challenge with your friends, have them enroll, and there's a place in the enrollment where they can put your name as the person referred them, and voila, I will get you in for a raffle ticket to win. Every friend you win, you bring, every friend who registers is one ticket, one raffle ticket for you, um, increasing your chances to winning the price of having a one-on-one session with me valued at $375. I hope that is a good incentive. I know it is because the registration really spiked up after I sent out that email. So go ahead and share the link, um, yaeltrush.com forward slash challenge. And thank you to all of you who've been sharing away. I see it. I see we have a spreadsheet. I see you all working the crowd. Thank you so much uh, for believing in this. I know many of you have been participants before of previous challenges. And so, you know, I know you believe in them. I know you've had tremendous results from them. In fact, I talked about um, uh, a past participant sent in beautiful results uh, results that she had just from being five days with me. It was increase in her meister. It was negotiating for a salary increase and getting a bonus, having saved for, I believe she said, Rosh Hashanah and to, um, to remodel her apartment. Anyway, she went through like, I talked about it in my newsletter. I also posted it on Instagram. She talked about these real tangible things that she achieved out of five days with me and how grateful she was. And she talks about the warmth um, and the handholding and, you know, the mentorship that she experienced because that's all part of the journey during these five days. Like we really put a lot of effort into this. I go all in. This is really um, uh, my pride and joy to do this. So um, you're all invited. And thank you to those who emailed me and said, well, you know what? Before you announced this, I had already emailed and sh- enrolled my cousin or my aunt and I heard you, I saw you, you're in. We've we've got you in the raffle. So if you enrolled people even before this was announced, just let me know like some of you did already, but just email me and I'll make I'm going to make sure that you're in, okay? All right, so before we move on to your questions. Because yes, thankfully, you're a wonderful audience. There are other questions besides all those Israel related questions <laughs> from the now soon to come. I learned my lesson episode hit the record button, Yael. Let's go to the iTunes review section and reward someone, a listener. Today, I'm saying thank you to Abby G. She left a review. I, I don't know if it's a she. Let's see. Left a review on the 1st, uh, February 1st, 2024. Just found this podcast and I'm loving it. I love Yael's mindset in regard to money. I just found her podcast after buying the Money Max bracelets made by Joy- Joyce Azria. Yay! I also wear the Money Max bracelets and I discovered Yael through that. I guess, yeah, I probably have left a review because I love 
Joyce's wellness line, um, Healer's Collection. Shout out to that. I have been working on my money mindset a lot recently, and this podcast has been helping shape my mindset in such a lofty way. Oh, I love that. I love how Yael shows that doing what you love in order to make money and achieve big dreams is really can is really and can be such a spiritual and godly experience. Thank you. Well, Abby G, this is such a beautiful review. Thank you for taking the time to listen to the show and to leave a review, a beautiful review. Please be in touch with me, yael at yaeltrush.com, and I will send you a link for us to connect. And if you're liking this podcast and you're working on your money mindset, then Abby G, let me right now invite you personally to my free five-day Jewish makeover challenge. You're going to love it. That's at yaeltrush.com forward slash challenge for Abby G and everybody else in the audience. Okay, so let's take some questions from the audience. Anonymous asks on Instagram, are loans God God's way to connect with people and guide your divine mission? So Anonymous, this is such an interesting question. I'm not sure what you mean exactly by loans. Um, but what I think maybe you mean is, you know, certainly the opportunity to lend money to someone is, yes, God connecting you with another individual. And it is a very serious merit and responsibility. If you've been handpicked by God to be the one to help another person by extending a loan, and on the flip side, if you're the recipient of a loan, obviously there's a reason or why God is connecting you to that person that is way beyond the loan, actually. And the loan is just, uh, I guess, a means to establish that connection. And either case, whether you're the lender or the borrower, you're meant to elevate that relationship. Something good needs to come out of that relationship. You learn from them, you influence them. Um, and, and this applies to both parties again. Now, does it guide your divine mission? I mean, do loans guide your divine mission? Know, that's kind of ambiguous and maybe a bit of a stretch. But what we do have to understand is that every interaction that we have in this world this is not particular to loans and being in the position of, of being a lender or borrower. It has to do with our divine mission, like, meaning every interaction is an opportunity to reveal godliness, um, which is our collective mission. So you just you just have to open your eyes and take those opportunities. You have to see yourself in whatever in the interaction or the relationship is as an emissary of God, of goodness, of morality, of light, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, so hopefully that kind of helps with the question. The next question is from Sarah, and it's actually a question that I was meant to answer last week, and somehow I skipped it. So apologies for that. I said I was going to answer it on the show, and then I was uh, told by somebody, uh, you skipped the question. So Sarah, here we go. She, you asked the question, would you only invest for a future event like a wedding, etc., if it's at least seven years off? So I think Sarah is referring to the stock market, meaning would I only touch the stock market if it's for something that's beyond seven years? So, and you mentioned weddings. Um, you know, this is, this is very personal. And I think um, the most of the personal finance space would agree, you know, as a general rule that if you have a wedding or a bar mitzvah or something like that coming up in less than five years, or you want to buy a home, um, maybe even seven years, as you mentioned, um, you shouldn't put that money, um, you shouldn't have that money invested in the stock market. I'm 
personally, but it depends so personal. Like it really does depend on risk aversion. I'm personally not too risk averse. So I don't know, seven years, some might consider it short term. Um, and maybe in the personal finance space, many might consider it short term, short term. I see it more like medium, medium term and if I'm starting first to save for something seven years away, I might actually put it in the stock market, but depending on what it is, I mean, again, you know, it doesn't mean that you should, you have to kind of really check with your risk tolerance. Um, and also you have to check on, you know, do I have other liquidity just in case this goes sours and uh, that I could still tap on? Um, you know, if you're going to be devastated, if that money's not there for you to cash out because you've lost a tremendous amount of the value when you need to pull it out, um, and you don't have other liquidity to achieve the goal that you set out to achieve, then please don't do it. Just put it in a high yield savings account and call it a day, you know, keep adding money to it throughout your seven years. Um, and do it like that. So you really have to really, it's, it's a matter of, of risk tolerance. And everybody's is very different in that regard and it also has to do with what else is going on in your financial life so hopefully that helps you sarah now anonymous asks what is the way the best way she says she or he to to start the habit of money dates for personal and for my business okay so you know, I think anything that we ritualize is very, very good. Like I think making a ritual out of this is actually very positive. I was thinking of an idea that a client of mine taught me she does this. I was so happy that she does this even before she started working with me. Every Friday, she does Finance Friday. And I love that. Finance Friday in her business, and she calls it Finance Friday. It's already established. And that's when she checks on her revenue. She checks on her billing. She does all the transfers that she, or any transfers that she has to make or checks on the automations that everything's moving smoothly. And I love that because I love the power of language. I think calling it finance Friday or calling it money date or calling it money party, like really giving it a name, right? These names can be very powerful and helpful. Like it indicates to you that this is like a a, a sacred space, a, a time that is just officially for something and blocking the time on your calendar is also another important way that you can that can help you. And then adding those elements like the name and elements like sensory elements like the music maybe that you play the playlist that you play while you're doing this if that's something you like like maybe aromatherapy like like you know your scented candle or your essential oils um the tea and the chocolate that you bring to your desk or to your table or whatever it is whatever treat you know something that makes it special putting your phone in airplane mode for example might be helpful so trying to trying to trick yourself into making this making a ritual out of this treating this time and this space as something worth your attention something is that's separate from other things and other demands of your time i think really is um very helpful to help you get into that habit it's like something you do you know um it's not random it's always always happens on the same day of the week at the same time it, it has some ritual elements associated with it okay so hopefully that gives you some ideas Jody asks via email. She says, I recently received a gift of $25,000 from my mother and I wanted to invest it before it dwindles away. 
I'm considering a few options and wanted to check with you. I live in Eretz Israel. I don't have much debt. We have a car loan about to be paid off in a few months. We've paid out our mortgage. I have money in mutual funds. Now it's a little higher than it was in 2021, which I'm assuming she means that that's when she started investing. That's why she uses that benchmark, like it's higher than in 2021. I'm not sure. Um, the investment I'm considering is a real estate project in Philly, Philadelphia, talking about a 22% return in one to two years, a 71 unit project. All right. So Jody's asking, you know, is this a good idea to invest my money here? So Jody, I don't know if you have other savings aside from the money in the mutual funds. You have a property paid off in full. That's great. Um, you don't have any debt. But I would love to hear that you have some liquidity. Um, see, from my perspective, the property and the mutual funds, those investments, they're not liquid things, especially, you know, those mutual funds. If you if you started investing in 2021, well, I don't want you to touch that for a while. So I worry that you're going to put this 25K in a limited partnership for a real estate project, which promises supposedly a 22% return in two years, one to two years, and you don't have liquidity. So if you don't have other savings, I would caution you and encourage you to take these $25,000 and hold on to them, keep them in a high yield savings account, or, you know, and maybe if you really wanna invest in a real estate, project and it's coming from a, a place of love and curiosity and desire not from like fear that it's going to dwindle away i mean i think there's an element of that in the question um from your language um if it's coming from real interest then challenge yourself to save up that amount so that you can invest in a deal um, and learn as much as you can about that market i just don't like the thought of anyone leaving themselves without liquidity or you might say, you know what? Fine, Yael. Then I'm going to take $12,500, half of the money or, you know, a portion of the money, and I'm going to set it aside, put it in a high yield savings account, and then I'm going to take the other half, $12,500, and I'm going to start another high yield savings account and beef that up to 25K. Like I'm going to work now towards the next your next, um, you know, kind of a milestone. And that's what I'm going to use to invest. But at least you're leaving yourself with a cushion. Now, let's say you do have the liquidity and you, you just didn't mention it to me. You have, the, if you do have the liquidity and this $25,000 is an extra windfall, then I would ask myself, why wouldn't you put it in the stock market? Um, am I attracted to this deal? Because the thought of 22% in two years is, you know, kind of allure and like the allure of a short term win like that is, you know, dragging me in. Like, where is that coming from? We have to be really, really honest with ourselves um, and make sure that we're not being like kind of susceptible to to, you know, to a scam, to losing money because we're like, oh, my gosh, 22 percent. Right. Like. And let's, and in two years, I mean, that's really, and let's say fine, let's say it's because you're anyways very comfortable with risk and you really love real estate and you've wanted to get into it for a while and you anyway have plenty in the stock market and plenty in liquidity, fine. Then the thing that I want you to do, and this is important for anyone getting in on a limited partnership and a real estate deal, I want you to do proper due diligence. Who is the general partner? 
What is their track record, their reputation? Who are, who's also in on the deal? You really need to, you, what are the numbers? You really need to understand the numbers. You really need to do your proper due diligence and make sure that you're parking your money with a group that is legit and a deal that is legit, that really the numbers are make sense. They're not just selling you on some, you know, wish. And I would say, you know, two people, I'm sure you know people, um, but I would say two people that I would recommend, maybe three that you could reach out to in order to maybe learn a little bit more how to go to how to go about doing the proper due diligence. Um, number one, Rabbi Yona Weiss. I would start there because he really has no interest in selling you on a deal of his own. He's been here on the show. You can check out his episode. It's 319. He's an investor, but he also makes his livelihood doing something else. He does cost segregation. So he's really not interested in selling you on any any deals, but he understands enough and has enough experience to give you guidance on an on what red flags to look out for. And he's the host of a a very popular podcast called Wise Advice. It's a real estate podcast. Um, Again, he's been on the show, 319. You can listen to that episode um, and you can definitely find him on LinkedIn. You can also reach out to Atara Tversky. Atara Tversky, um, although she herself is a general partner, so she does take people's money to invest in real estate deals. But she might have resources on red flags to look out for, etc. So she might be a great resource to reach out to. Um, that's episode 296. And then the third person who might also have resources and um, some words of wisdom here is Tamar Ermis. 256 is the number of her episode. I also believe she has a book. I know in a, for, fa- in a, for, uh, for a fact that she has a book. I just can't remember the name of it. Um, but again, Tamar Uh, Tamar is an investor. She coaches people on investing. Um, I think she takes a certain profile of client in her coaching programs on on investing on real estate. But still, it might be, you know, she might have some resources for maybe beginners, etc. Okay. So the point is that I'd hate for you to get lured into something where you don't see this money. (laughs) So I want to make sure that you really know who you're investing with. And what are the plans for these 71 units? How do the numbers and the projections that the general partner is presenting to you sound to you? Really, do they sound realistic for that market? What are the comparables? What exactly are they doing? Like, there's so many questions I'd be asking when I hear 22% in one to two years. Um, You have to look at the numbers. You have to ask for details. It's not you know, yeah, sure, we've done this before. And in two years, we're going to get, we're going to pay back our investors 22%. It's really not that simple. Okay, so I would be cautious. Next question is from Anonymous. And um, she or he, oh, she, she has, um, yes, she has personal questions. She's, (laughs) this is funny. She says she has a very personal questions. And there's four of them. So she says, She's been following my work since my brand was Jewish Latin princess. You guys remember that? And she says, you know, I see that everything you've set your mind to, you've achieved, and God has sent you confirmation that your work matters and you're going in the right direction. So I have a few very personal questions for you. And so she asks, number one, this is actually really good. I'm I'm answering um, her questions, but maybe maybe this is good advice for everybody. I don't know. You're going to get a little bit of the background of what goes on in my life uh, and my business. So her first question is, did you always know you wanted to work on money mindset and be a leader and coach in this space and topic? 
All right. So anonymous. No, <laughs> I did not always know. In fact, I am the classic. I don't know what I want to do with my life when I grow up person. Um, <laughs> and I've, I've done so many things, but I also followed the clues. I was always very curious about what the clues were and intuitive as to, you know, where, what feels right and what doesn't and what's aligned, where, where do I, you know, where I feel like in alignment and that I add the most value and that I'm also having fun and enjoying and really, you know, doing things not for the money, but really for the mission. Uh, and I think that's important, not out of fear of not having money and having to, you know, put bread on the table, but out of love of serving and being here. And the money is very important. But um, I think I was always very cognizant of I kind of like work on my, I guess, abundance mindset, if you will. Um, I'd been in corporate, and I knew that that wasn't for me. Um, I, I'd also had the opportunity to really take an idea of a liquor company to market alongside my husband. And I did that for a while and we did very well doing that. And as soon as we got, um, investors and a significant amount of money, um, I, we raised $4 million at that point. And, um, we started building a team. I knew that I didn't want to be part of that team. I didn't want to build that company. So I stepped back um, because I, I knew there was something different in the cards for me. It, I just I just did. And I knew that my love and passion was really in helping the Jewish people. It wasn't in building a liquor brand, um, which was a really fun project. And I had a lot of fun at, in the in in the initiation of that project and really getting it started, it was really fulfilling and exciting to me at the moment. But there was other there were other things that were calling me, um, and really there was there was this call to really help helping out the Jewish people. And I became very prolific in my writing. Again, my children were small, were young, so I wasn't looking to you know build this empire. Um, I was definitely much more concentrated in raising my young children, um, but I became, I started becoming very prolific in my writing and my speaking, and I knew there was something, I, I knew there was something there, um, and, you know, that started taking off, but I was still kind of a generalist uh, until I realized eventually that there is one topic where I can be of the most service and impact, and that's how I landed on money and business. Um and still, of course, within a very unapologetic Jewish framework, as you all know. So I think I followed the breadcrumbs. I really, really did. Uh, I followed the signs. Um, and and I, I, I tried. I tried things um, by starting a column for Chabad.org that was called, still called Jewish Money Matters. Um, and it was even though I had already at that point written many articles on many, many different topics for them. But I said, you know what, why don't I write a personal finance call for you guys? And then I started speaking more about money and business on the show. And then I gave, there was one big speaking engagement that I gave on the topic, which really was the biggest kind of um, validation. And that's when I really finally said, oh, oh, God, I, I get it. I get it. You really want me to do this. <laughs> so 
Your second question is, was it easy to get started with your programs? Did you have doubts? Okay, so it's all very much connected. Number one, of course, I had doubts. I I mean, I I was scared. I was very scared. Uh, You know, writing was fine. But once it came to that first speaking engagement that I just mentioned, it really was very hard for me to write that one. And I had written many, many speeches at that point and giving them, but just being so open and so vulnerable about money really put put me, you know, put my, it, it tested me. It really did. I was scared, but, but my husband really, God bless him. He, he pushed me. He said, no, you have to do this. And, and when I delivered, I felt fantastic. Like I, I got it. Like, I, you know, and it wasn't, it wasn't so much that I felt fantastic. It was the audience, the way they responded, you know, it really gave me the needed confirmation and validation that I had to continue on this path. And and then finally, when COVID hit, I pushed myself to do something that I'd been wanting to do for a while. And that was to teach courses on money, really start really teach a methodical approach um, to Jewish women. And that was a really big test for me, like going out into the market and saying, hey, I'm open for business. Like I have a course I have to teach. Um, I want to teach. And I was I was terrified to to come out so publicly because now I have to sell something and promote it and say, you know, I'm not just writing an article here and there. No, I have to really deliver. I can help you in a very clear way. I can take you from A to Z. Um, So I was terrified to help launch my first online course because now again, now I was saying like, you know, I am vocal about this topic. And it was like, who in the Jewish world, especially in the observant Jewish world, talks about this and you know a woman talking about this so there was definitely a fear of what are what what are people gonna think right but I already knew that people really wanted this um and really um starting that course was like the best thing I did and I never looked back as you all know I've had so many iterations of that course it's evolved in so many beautiful and grown in so many beautiful ways And yeah, the journey has been messy and has been imperfect, but you know what? None of that really matters. The most important thing is that it's been valuable and helpful and it's served others, many, many others. So then your next question is, did you always know you wanted to have a podcast? Okay, so so for sure, no. <laughs> I first started listening to podcasts in 2016. And guess what? It was an interior design podcast. As weird as that sounds, yes. Uh, an interior design blog that I followed then, Young House Love. <laughs> I just checked. They're still around. They started a podcast and I was fascinated and it was so fun and I loved it. I love that podcast. And somehow that led me into the podcast rabbit hole, if you will. I mean, this is 2016. So there definitely weren't any Jewish podcasts out there, um, you know, openly Jewish, I guess. And I ended up listening to a lot of podcasts of stuff that I was interested in, not just interior design. And, and you know, and I, I, I just, I knew then, like, wow, I'd love to do this. Like, Early on in 2016, when I got into it, I was like, I would love to do this. Um, What if I could, in addition to having a blog, have a podcast? And and I started in 2017. I had started my blog in 2014, and I spent all of 2016 thinking about starting this podcast, which is so silly, right? It just, you know, kind of stuck in the fear of starting a podcast. 
kind of time wasted if you ask me. <laughs> but, <laughs> but thankfully, by February of 2017, I got the kick in the pants that I needed to get, um, which was basically by asking a actually it was Barry Tesler from The Art of Money asking her to for an interview on my blog, a video interview. And she said, well, no video, but yes, audio. And I was like, okay, Hashem, I get it. Like, yes, I have to start this podcast. So really credit to Barry for, <laughs> I sh- I've told her before. That's why I said, okay, fine, uh, I'm going to do it. I'll do Barry Tesler um, audio. And that means I'm starting a podcast because, you know, that's the sign I needed. I, I can't sit on this idea. Um, so here we are today. I hit publish my first episode with Barry Tesler and <laughs> go figure. It was about money, right? So I guess the sign was there even then, even though it wasn't a, a show focused on money. Um, so, you know, once I did end up starting this whole money thing really very openly and selling my programs in 2020, the online programs, I I, I then had like this business, this branding quagmire because my podcast is not about money or business and I'm growing this side of my business. The podcast should follow. I knew that, but it also took me a while. You know, sometimes, I don't know, I'm an action taker, but sometimes these, this, let it be a lesson to know like your fears can slow you down, um, but don't let them slow you down for too long, okay? Um, but it was hard because at that point I had really established I had I have very I had a very established name as a podcast host. I mean, I was I, I would say probably I would I would venture to say I was the first in the podcast host like with a real Jewish podcast. Um, I may I don't know maybe somebody can challenge me and say there was somebody else out there, but I don't know of anybody else at in in that point. You know, when I started early 2017, I don't I don't recall there was anybody else doing what I did. And it was and and I and I really established a name for myself for, you know, for 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 a very long, long time. So 2020, I was like, you know, in the peak of my podcasting career, so to speak. And it was risky to I'd I'd had so many incredible guests, like really top names. Um, It was risky to kind of make that change of that brand identity and rebrand and shift the focus of the show. But I I just, again, I just knew that it needed to be done. And by 2021, I jumped in and I said, okay, fine, let's do it. And if it flops, well, you know what? Nothing is lost. I could always pivot again. You know, I I won't know if I don't try. And I did it and I'm not looking back. Thank God, you know, did I lose listeners? Yes, I did. But I gained many, many more and I was able to also build a much bigger business because now everything is in congruence. So, which really means that I get to serve a lot more people. So, you know, that that's that's what happened. So your next question is, <laughs> do you have a support system in place already? How did you start creating this and become more efficient and simplify, et cetera? Okay, so yeah, the answer is yes. Um, I do have a support system. I cannot do this solo. This is something that really takes time and it's a lot of trial and error. Um, It is super important, but it's not like from day one, you're going to find the perfect people, the perfect fit. Um, So right now I'm in a place where I, you know, like the support system that I have is going really well. Again, as I mentioned before on the show, we've gone through many kind of like um, transitions and kind of shocks to the system, like October 7th really put a shock to the system um, because my right hand, um, you know, is in Israel. And then I I also, uh, you know, I had to shift responsibilities, I had to look for new people. So it was, you know, but right now we're in a good place. 
Um, I know that I still need more and more systems, but thankfully the people on my team, although I should clarify, there's nobody else who's really full-time with me. They're subcontractors, so to speak. So they've now been with me long enough to be able to help me find those other people that we need. So really, how did I start? You know, I started by asking myself, what are the things that I'm doing that someone else could and should be doing? And this is something that even now, today, I'm asking myself. This is constant work. And one of my, uh, this team member that was mentioning um, is right now, going through this process with me so that we can refine my needs, my work, we can also refine her work. And, you know, she can help me find another person to take things off my plate. And even so that we can take things off her plate so that she can shine in her best, she can be in her best place, I can be in my best place. So really, um, right now I have three people, one has been me for a longer time, um, another one for like, you know, shorter time, but but already enough time that there's many things that kind of like she really knows perfectly how to do. One is newer, uh, you know, and then I have a few um, vendors, two, two, three people who support me, not not so much on a daily basis, but on the tech side of things. So it's pretty, you know, pretty constant, but I don't have to be in daily communication with them, etc. And so, you know, in terms of how did I start that every person who I've worked with, you know, First of all, yes, asking myself, what is it that I need to take off my plate? Because I, what are the things that only I can do? And what's all this extra stuff that somebody else needs to be doing so I can focus on what's really, really of the essence to kind of 10x this thing, you know, um, kind of take it to the next real level, exponential growth kind of thing. And and so that that's one piece, but also then asking everybody that I've had on my team, it's been because I've I've gotten clear on what I need and then I've asked the people around me, my audience, even, even on my newsletter, um, people in my space, colleagues, um, I've always found, you know, people who've worked for me by asking around. And again, not everybody has stuck for a long term. Some people have had babies, some people have, you know, gotten married, like there's, there have, there, there, there are transitions, there's shifts. So, you know, there's a lot of movement, trial and error. Um, but the first step is to really know what you need to hand over, what you shouldn't be doing, and then start asking Hashem, <laughs> first and foremost, and everyone around you for someone who fits the description of some of the roles and responsibilities that you need taken from you. All right, Anonymous, I hope that was good. It wasn't too personal. It was totally fine. I got a little scared there for a second, <laughs> but I'm happy to go behind the scenes with everyone if, if it can help you in your business and in your ability to make more money. So thanks for your question. Same thing to Anonymous 2 and Anonymous 3. I think we had three Anonymous today's, um, uh, today and to Sarah. Sarah also had a question. And of course, to each and every one of you, thank you. Be sure to sign up for the five for the free five-day Jewish Money Makeover Challenge because it starts this Sunday, 8 p.m. Eastern. If you live on the other side of the world, no excuses because you're going to get the replays every days. So I want you to carve out the time to participate via the replays, join the WhatsApp group, enter your daily homework, take advantage of the opportunity to earn prices, um, to work with your mentor. Yes, aside from me being by your side, you're going to have a mentor. So I want you to make the most of this, um, regardless of where you live, regardless of whether you can come live to it or not. And of course, live is a lot of fun. So I hope 
most of you can make it live, this is really a one-of-a-kind experience. And all the details are at yaeltrush.com forward slash challenge. If you have any questions, of course, you can reach out to me via email, yael at yaeltrush.com, or you can DM me on Instagram or LinkedIn. I'm pretty accessible. Of course, not on Shabbat, but for the most part, I'm pretty accessible. And remember to leave a review and rating if you're enjoying the show. Yes, reminding everyone. Um, and thank you to the winner of this of this week, the review of the week. Have a Shabbat Shalom, everybody. And the month of Adar, Chodesh Tov, the month of Adar is here. So, you know, kind of apropos to my challenge, because I want to say my challenge is full of joy. I really try to make it a very joyful experience. And it is. So come see for yourself. Yeah, ltrush.com forward slash challenge. Shabbat Shalom, everyone. <laughs>